coming up on One Day at a Time, also known as ODAT. Like nothing productive would happen when I was drunk. And I'm like, why are, why are they okay with this? <laughs> like the, I, so it was like, am I just supposed to be okay with this? Like, is this normal? Um, like, am, is something wrong with me that I want too much? And that I'm, that I, I it was just it, this constant, is it me? Is it them? Do they feel this way? Do, do am I missing something? Is this just life? Um, and it was exhausting and it was really depressing to feel like I could be doing so much more with my life, but nobody else around me seems to feel like that's important. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Karina F. Daves. On One Day at a Time, we discuss the essentials and tips for the everyday woman and how to achieve your best life. Not just because you deserve it, but come on now, you were made for more. If you're new to the show, we have conversations with folks that I like to call the true hustlers of the world. Each episode dives into the heart of the guests and provides our listeners with balancing tips, the roadmap to navigating relationships, and demystifies the idea that we're supposed to be perfect. As we launch our new series, Not What I Expected, featuring women's raw and real stories of the good, the bad, and the ugly, of what they did not expect to happen in their lives, the hope is that you will feel like you are human. The goal of this series is to make you feel like you do not suck, you are not a loser, and you are still unstoppable, and you are not alone, mama. Not What I Expected is meant to fill your cup over and over again. As we launch this series with part-time comedian and full-time sober mom, Miss Gentry Jones, listen as she shares with us her journey to sobriety, not one that she had all expected to wake up one day to. If you're struggling on how to start your own goals and you just need a chica by your side, I got you, mama. Come to my handle at Karina F. Daves and let's talk about how we can work together. As a life coach, I love helping women, specifically moms, achieve their goals with grace with my 4 for 40 bite-sized method goal setting program. Let's have a chat or you can go to my website, KarinaFDaves.com and fill out an application to work with me and see if we're a match. I'm so excited to get to know you and get to meet you. If you love and enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe, share, like, and comment as much as you can and spread the word so that other women do not feel alone. I love you, hermana. And now, Ms. Gentry Jones. So, Gentry, how are you? Hi. I'm good. How are you? <laughs> good. Thanks for having me. Of course. So, I love to give all of my guests about... 15 seconds to introduce themselves and say whatever they want. You could tell me, you know, you could talk about your job if you want and what you do, but you can also tell me your favorite Spice Girl. You could tell me your favorite ice cream <laughs> flavor, whatever it is that you want listeners to know about you. Are you ready? Uh, sure. Okay. All right, go. <laughs> um, so my name is Gentry. I am a mom to four boys. Um, I do I work out, but I'm not good at eating healthy. So I eat popcorn or nachos when I don't have to feed my kids. Um, I am extremely unorganized, but that makes me very creative. I love that. I love that. <laughs> so Gentry, I want to take it back because I think a lot of us remember 
our childhood based on what information others tell us, but I think we can have more vivid memories of when we were teenagers. So take me back to when you were in high school. Who were you in high school if you had to describe yourself? In high school, I was the all-American kid. Um, I was I was a three-sport athlete, and I was on varsity as a freshman through through um, my senior year. I did drama my junior year and senior year. I was AS in ASB. I ran for the Miss Zilla pageant, so like the town pageant, and won. So I was Miss Zilla for a year. Um, I was in FBLA. I was in every group that was possible because like I. One was just social, um, but also was like trying to build a good resume for school. I just loved being involved in things and um, yeah, all American kid. But then at the end of high school, I mean, I, I had my first drink of alcohol in middle school, but then I just drank like at a party in high school. And then by the end of the year or into, into my school, uh, high school career, junior and senior, year, I would drink on the weekends regularly. Wow. Okay. But you were definitely like, would you call yourself the life of the party? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so as you transition out of high school, did you go to college? Did you take some time off? What were you thinking at that point in your life? So originally I really wanted to take a year off before going to college. Um, and my mom didn't really want that. So I applied because I did just build up this good resume, being an athlete, having the ASB, having all these things behind me. Um, it was better to just go ahead and apply. So I ended up going to a four-year college. Um, my first year of college was at a four-year college, but it was not a good experience. I ended up kind of just, once I didn't have the the sports to have to show up for the ASB to have to show up for and nobody else was holding me accountable like I chose to do those things but I chose them and I showed up because I didn't want my coach to be mad at me I went to these things because I didn't want somebody to I didn't want to let somebody else down and then I went to college and there was nobody else I would let down but myself if I didn't go or if I didn't do the the thing Mm -hmm. um and so that losing losing that accountability um I, I actually ended up in the hospital with alcohol poisoning my first quarter fall of, of my freshman year of college. Wow. Wow. And to be honest, um, like, I, I'm sure, I mean, you probably thought that that wasn't abnormal, right? Like, what did you think at that point? Like, all right, whatever, everybody parties in college, this must happen to everybody. Yeah, when I was at the dorms, so I was in the dorms with drinking with other people. I just had always found a way to take it a little bit too far. Um, I was like much more of a binge drinker than just a just a social party drinker. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, other people were drunk that night, but I don't I don't know if I was taking extra shots or sneaking them or which I probably was. I don't remember the whole situation, but but yeah, like it's. I was at the dorms. I was hanging out with kids that were also freshmen and, um, and they just passed out in the bathroom. But I think for the entire time of my life and my career during all of college is, I was, is that I kept running from 
trying to run from like the problems I was creating where I was at, but then I just would take them with me. Like, like central, I had a lot of embarrassing moments. I wasn't really making friends because I was like drunk all the time. And then I went to the new college and had my boyfriend, but I was kind of burning bridges there too. Um, and then I was like, okay, I need to get away from this place because, and Wenatchee is where like drugs started to really get involved too. So it's like, um, now we need to move from this place to save me. And then it was just finding, I was still attracting the same type of people no matter, no matter where I went. You mentioned how your mom was a little bit concerned when um, your, your first quarter, like when you had the alcohol poisoning. And so now that you're with your brother and around your, your other um, sets of families, like were they sort of concerned for you as well? Or was everybody kind of like, this is, this is what happens when you're young? Um, I think the second one, I think that was very much like, this is college. This is what happens when you're young. People make drink too much at times. And, but they also, at that time, I wasn't fully sharing that. Like I had bottles of tequila and vodka hidden in my house, just in case I needed a fix and would go to them. It wasn't just that I had them just in case I was actually drinking and um I had like this rule that as long as I didn't drink in the morning and I wasn't didn't drink before I went to work then I was fine but if I didn't have work it was like I would be shaking if I didn't have alcohol in the house and not shaking like with the shakes but like just anxiety of like I should I go get it the liquor store is going to close at five I should probably get it I got to go now um and so they didn't realize the the closet drinking that was going on they knew that when I started drinking I would sneak shots or they would see me drink too much or whatever but they didn't realize that it was a constant obsession yeah so once you get out of rehab um what happens then do you go back to school I went back to school and moved back in with my brother um and I think something that I didn't know then that I wait yeah, I didn't know then that I wish I knew now. Wait, no, oh, wait, no, I didn't. That I know now that I wish I knew then. <laughs> um, okay, uh, it's early. Um, it's okay. So, uh, is that coming back? I was, I was just really, really irritable, and I was just really, really, um, just frustrated with things. I became like super anal about things being clean or organized or. I just, and it, it, I, I was just off. I just felt like bitter and just irritable. And so things would just piss me off and I couldn't drink. And I wish at that time I would have set myself up for aftercare a little bit better because I thought I did my 21 days. I put myself here and just because I want it, I'll go back and be, I can just go live life like it's normal. And now that I've been sober, it's like, it was months of sobriety and maybe even a year before I really felt like I had leveled out and really had, my brain has been retrained to be okay being sober. And I wanted it to just go back really quickly. And, and when it didn't, um, it was, I was frustrated and I was, and I was, and I thought that I don't, I wanted to be sober because I, I can't drink, but I don't want to be sober if I'm just going to be bitter the rest of my life. And there, and you're not going to be bitter your, the rest of your life. And I wish I would have had a little bit more guidance in that, that it's like, just give it time. Yeah. <laughs> There's a like lot a of boomer. things. 
Yeah, it's not boring, but I think that there's a lot of things that like we don't expect. I didn't expect to be in Jersey for this long. Um, I really didn't. I imagined myself because I think one thing that college and even like growing up, I don't know if you had this experience, but you know, your parents and college like expose you and tell you about other things, right? Like other lives and the potential that you have and to travel and to do this and to do that and to live in other regions. And especially um, for me, uh, migrating from Peru, um, you know, it all we all we live for is like what you said, we want the American dream, like we want that American, you know, life. And I think, looking back, um, for me, a lot of it was um, led by my parents' dreams rather than mine. And I think that um, I hate disappointing people, but I also ended up in really bad situations because I was, I wasn't, I was always trying to people please. Like I, I remember being sick in the hospital um, because I was overworking myself. I should have taken a gap year between both of my degrees, but my parents were like, you got to go, you got to keep going. You have to be a lawyer one day. And I'm like, I don't even want to be a lawyer. I really want to be a graphic designer. Um, You know, like that's what I want to do. And so I think a lot of things we don't expect. And, um, you know, we looking back now, I'm grateful for where we are now. Um, But a part of me does sometimes wonder. Um, So now that you're back, you have your first child, you're with your family. Um, you, did you end up like finishing your degree online? Like what ended up happening there? How did you close that chapter? Well, so once I had my first son, um, I was still like undecided kind of on degrees. And so my grandpa was like, you got to get like an accounting degree or something like that, because there's, it's a stable job. You can find it anywhere. And now you got a baby to support. Like you're, you're his, his person. So I'm like, okay. Um, I always liked math. So we'll finish the accounting degree. And I kind of was going in business direction already. So I had to go to the local, the community college here and I had to do like two classes. And then I transferred to central Washington um, University, which is about an hour from where I live. Um, But I also was working, I ended up, they do remote classes. So I wasn't having to go every day. um, And then they did night classes. So a lot of it was, a lot of it was remote or night where I could be with my son during the day. And then my mom would take over and I'd go to night class, Mm -hmm. but it was a long drive. And then the last year I was pregnant with my second son oh, wow. um, and so and that was a tough one because that was last year there's a lot more requirements where you had to be on campus and I'm driving two hours a day with like a huge belly and I was eating a lot of fast food and enjoying <laughs> my pregnancy so now you're starting your family your second son is born you're married you have your home you're in you're in the town of Zilla um, and you make sure things are in order in order to get that escape and I think I remember hearing you say like you know, I had a really great childhood. Like I, I was great. Like, you know, a lot of people, when they ask about, you know, why people turn to alcohol or drugs, they talk a lot about, you know, trauma. Um, But you are trying to basically build your family the way that you grew up. Um, And so now that you have your second son, you find your um, job, everything is stable, you set everything in place. What ends up happening at that point, whether it's a year or two later, 
that hits you and is not what you expected. Because remember, you took a calculated risk. You set things in order. Things are supposed to work out. You have these seasons and times where you're like wondering, am I am I okay? No, no, I think I'm okay because everybody everybody seems to say I'm okay. So I guess I'm okay. But then what is the wall that you hit? So after my second son, um, college was done. I started a normal nine to five, eight to five job. Um, and then I was finishing my CPA license. And so it, the outside requirements of me were getting less um, besides just parenting, but it was like second son. So I kind of knew what I was doing there. <laughs> um, but after I stopped nursing him, we went out and I actually got a DUI. And so that was a huge opportunity. I just saw it as another opportunity to get sober. And so I was like, okay, got now it. the world knows I have a DUI. My work has to know I have a DUI because I have to have a blower. I have to go to these classes. I have to, I mean, like it was really hard to, I couldn't really hide it. Um, and so he's like, now that that's out there and I have to do all these other requirements. Now I can get sober. Like now this will be what helps me get sober. And I, I did stay sober for five months during that time. And this is where I also like back to her. I said, when I got out of rehab, I thought it would be a quick fix. Um, at that time, I wasn't doing a ton to actually create new habits and new strategies to dealing with things. It was just more like, just don't drink and work out but it wasn't like connecting with sober people it wasn't about building people that understood what I was going through it wasn't it was just like just don't drink mm -hmm. and then I was at a family reunion and um we were staying there for the weekend so there was no driving because that was then it was like I don't want to drink and drive um and I had fake non-alcoholic beers in my and we had all our own little mugs for the reunion so mm -hmm. I had my NA beers in there well, someone had taken my NA beer because they knew that I was struggling and wanted to drink. And what they went to fill it up and actually put alcohol, real beer in it. And did that a couple of times and said, that's real beer. You see, you're fine. Like you don't have to be sober. Like you can handle these situations, which is horribly like looking back now was just awful. Um, but I mean, I pushed it too. like, well, if you snuck it in there, then it wouldn't be me. It would be you so that I could blame them for it. I mean, like it's, there's so much manipulation um, and it was so much enabling and it, it sounds awful, but I think yeah, at the time it wasn't trying to, to be shady. It was just trying to help me feel more comfortable about taking my first drink after the DUI. Okay. <laughs> That's yeah. insane. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. And so that basically, did that put you on a spiral of just going back to drinking then? Yeah. So we, and we just went right back to this pretty much the same patterns. Um, they, it was back to though, after having my first son where it was kind of like, I'm going to get drunk when I drink. And I'm going to get shit done when I'm not drinking. And so it was like, you have gentry and you have drunk, drunk, drunk gentry. And they didn't meet and they didn't like gentry did her stuff. Drunk gentry did her stuff. And still with that constant conflict of wasting time and whatever. But again, not, not to the point where I was sneaking and hiding 
bottles, which is where it ended up later. At this period of your life, are you, I'm sure like what's going through your mind also are your other roles that you have to play, right? Because you're a mom, you're a wife, you're a full-time worker. Um, Like how are you thinking about those roles? Are you having, you know, guilt about anything? Are you... Like was was alcohol your coping mechanism? Like what what do you feel like you know that that did for you? Uh, alcohol for me silenced my thinking, and it did it when I was a kid, and I don't I didn't connect it then, but. I didn't realize how much I was constantly second guessing myself as a middle schooler or as a kid growing up and constantly like, do they like me? Do they not like me? Like, I always felt like the outsider or whatever. And then when I drank, it kind of silenced that and it didn't stay silenced. I mean, like, obviously we, we then think more and we sit there and beat ourselves up after we have, um, have our drunk moments. But I think initially the, the benefit of drinking is that it kind of, silenced the obsessive thinking and I didn't have the trauma I didn't have something I'm trying to hide from and I think that always helped made me feel like I wasn't allowed to be an alcoholic because you're supposed to have something wrong with you and it's like I don't want to say something's wrong with me I don't want to say that something happened to me it's just that I just can't drink and if you if you've listened to um sober powered podcasts you heard it. So Jill on the sober powered podcast talks a lot about how alcohol affects your brain and listening to her podcast has really helped me understand that it's not necessarily that you are always trying to escape from something, but it's like once alcohol is introduced, it changes your brain and it changes your reward patterns. And so like my brain is just wired differently so that when alcohol was reintroduced it carved a new path that like this is a we want it we want this reward and it's just it's interesting you should listen (laughs) wow that's super dope yeah and and people that have anxiety and depression have their brains are wired differently and so and I do have anxiety I do have depression and so it was a, it was a reward pathway that my brain had figured out works. And so even though it wasn't working well, it was a reward that we knew the outcome. There wasn't any unknowns. And I think even not even including alcohol, there's so many times that people will choose the same reward just to have a known outcome. And that's, what my brain was doing. And that's what I was doing. I knew that I would get drunk. I knew that I would make an ass of myself, but I knew that I would wake up and, 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 and that I knew what the pattern was going to be, even though it was a bad pattern, I knew what the pattern would be. I didn't know what the pattern would be if I got sober and wow. that's scary. <laughs> wow. My mind is blown. And my husband at the time was we drank together. We were very codependent on each other. And I was pushing him to try and get sober during this time. And I don't know if I pushed enough or if I wasn't like direct enough, but um, he wasn't feeling the same way I was about alcohol and sobriety. And that was causing 
a lot of conflict in me, like, well, if he's going to drink, can I stay sober after these twins? And, and then that just that, how you said that a thought, a one little thoughts would get in and just con- completely take over my, my thought process and give me anxiety and stress me out about like, about things that I mean, I'd be five months pregnant at the time. And I'm thinking about if I'm going to be able to drink when I get out of this pregnancy. And it's the obsession was starting at the end of the pregnancy before I even took a drink. Wow. So how does one with four kids get their life balanced? Because I mean, I hear a lot of stories about people getting sober when they're single with one kid. I mean, you have four kids. (laughs) How did you do that? Uh, After the twins, I started counseling. Um, I had some postpartum and I had told my doctor I was drinking and, but again, didn't go into details about how this has always been a problem. It was that, oh, she's drinking to cope. We need to, because she has postpartum depression. So we get into counseling. Um, and then in, in counseling is where we really started to dissect that, like the alcohol was a problem and that we need to start addressing this. And, um, I spent that whole gear though going back and forth on alcohol so the twins were born in april um and i was binging past a one day binge or one night binge so if i started drinking it was going to be three or four days until i stopped and i mean like full days like i would go to work and i'd have to take a shot before i went to work i would take a shot at lunch to make or like drink a something at lunch to try and get through the day and functioning. But I, if I, I couldn't like fully go down to nothing cause it would just make me so sick. Mm. Um, and I, or I felt like it was making me so sick. And I don't know if it was anxiety or what, but um, yeah, I would have like, a, it would be, if I drank, it would be a two or three, four day binge. And then I would stop for a little bit and then something would happen. And once I started, it was like, okay, I've got to, got to keep writing this because once I stop, I know I'm going to want to stop for a long period and I don't want to stop for a long period. So, um, and I am so incredibly lucky that nothing happened to my kids during that year. And then at what point did you decide to get help? Um, so drank off and on through that whole beginning of the year, January, I was like, okay, this is it. January 1st, I'm going to get sober. Your new year's resolution. Everyone. (laughs) Yeah. Dry January. (laughs) Um, so dry January happened for about two weeks and then I got sick, um, and had to be home. So I just got like a bad cold or whatever. I had my immune system is really bad that first year after the twins with drinking and just having a pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get sick and I end up having to stay home a couple of days. Well, being home alone a couple of days turned into a binge. And so I, um, got back into counseling again, cause I kind of took a little break thinking I could handle it. And then I also started doing the AA and was like, okay, I, I have to do something different because mm-hmm. my attempt at like, I can do this on my own was my ego thinking that I was smarter and that that I can outsmart this and that I like it was just so egotistical that I was better than everyone else that I didn't need help and I so I started doing AA and connecting with people there 
and still struggled off and on for like January, March, and April, but not nearly as bad as it was the first part of the year. Um, until May, May 1st, um, I was, had ended up binging that weekend and I had gone to work and we had like a work lunch where we were allowed to get a drink. Well, I had already probably still been drunk from the night before and they, and we get, we have some drinks and I freak out. We go back to work and everybody else wants to just go back to work. And I can't, I'm like, I can't just have two drinks and go back to work. Like now that we've started this party, I want it to, to keep going. And so I get really bad anxiety. I realize that I'm like now, not just like keeping a buzz to not be sick, but I was like drunk. And so I just left and I didn't tell anyone I was leaving. I didn't tell anyone um, what was going on. And so then I get phone calls and I went home and passed out and I get phone calls. They're all worried. They're looking for me. My supervisors are looking for me. They're, they're mad. I mean, they're scared. And then they found out I was at home and then they're mad. And so it's like, I'm about to lose my job. And I have a very, very good job where they're very, they work very well with me. They, um, I, I love my job. I love the people I work with. And, and again, it was an outside source kind of help keeping me accountable. But, um, once my inner circle, my inner circle knew what was going on, but then now another layer had known what was going on. And as more layers of people knew what was going on, the more I wanted to, to really stay sober. And I didn't drink after that. And then at 90 days, I, I continued doing AA for, for every day for the next uh, 60 days and then was going on off and on when I could. Um, but at 90 days, I actually outed myself on social media. So I had that like, here's the people, the small circle of people that knew okay, now work knows, then we're getting a little bigger. And it's like, okay, that felt good. So let's go a little bit bigger and just share it with the whole world. Um, but I really, I, I mean, I encourage people it's, that are new in sobriety to get a crowd in your stadium that's going to cheer you on. Because if you've played a basketball game with one person in the stadium, or if you paid with a packed crowd, it's completely different when you have people there cheering you on. And so there was people that maybe were going to judge me or whatever, but there was a lot of people that were there to support me too. So um, outing myself is when I was like, oh, I'm serious. I'm serious about this because I wouldn't be outing myself if I wasn't serious because then if somebody saw me at the bar, they'd be like, didn't you just post that you were 90 days sober? I'm like, oh shoot, damn it. Okay, fine. I'll go home. <laughs> right. Cause it's that, um, that feeling like when you were in high school, I needed to show up to practice because if not, I would disappoint my coach. Mm -hmm. So I think it's that same sort of theme that continues as you're an adult. It's like, all right, well, I posted about this. So I have nobody really can see me out doing the thing that I'm not supposed to be doing that I'm saying I'm doing great in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and so you're 90 days sober. And how long did you, is this like, from then till now, or did you relapse in between that? So I had a lapse um, on 4-4-2020. So right when the pandemic hit, uh, I lost my second job. I just, like the divorce, when I got sober, we ended up getting divorced because we just kind of wanted different things at that point. Um, and then the divorce was final at that, the, like a week before that. Um, and I was stressed out, but I wasn't, 
I wasn't so stressed out that I needed to drink, but it was all of the things that would have had me drink in the past. And I knew I had an excuse to do it. If mm. that makes sense. It yeah. was like, I didn't really, I didn't really feel like it was like, I have to drink right now, but I knew if I did, I had excuses. Yeah. And so, um, I drank for a couple hours and then stopped and the next day got up thinking that I had to be on a three-day bender again and the same way when when I was kind of tricked into drinking after that that five-month sobriety um I kept going because it was like now that I broke it I got to keep going and I went and bought alcohol came home with this thought that now that I broke it I might as well keep going and really um just it, it was like it was an end like it was like I had to be at day one in my sobriety and I came home and I, I didn't drink anything else after that. I only drank for those four hours. I ended up giving the alcohol to somebody else because I was like, I did not spend two years changing habits and patterns for me to say that just because a sober streak is broken means that it, I have to start sobriety at day one. Like that's wow. not fair. And I think um, like, sometimes people give way too much power to their sober streak mm. Mm. that that a, a lapse turns into and not not encouraging like lapsing all the time because it was hard it was stressful I had a I had, it was a bad month or two after that of just guilt and and just depression and having to work through everything but it doesn't have to be a day one yeah and that's with a lot of things like you know, I'm not comparing working out to it, but you know, it's, I think it's a lot of things. Like if you just stop and mess up, or if you just fail, you know, it doesn't mean that the reset, um, disqualifies all the work that you've done. It shouldn't mean that it disqualifies those two years of sobriety that you worked so hard, because at this point you're pretty set up in the sense that you have added AA, you've added your counseling, you have your support group, and you have accountability. And the accountability is coming from um, your job, is coming from the group of people that know, which makes so much sense why before you were saying, I encourage people to actually out themselves because it creates a type of accountability with yourself to not continuously do the thing you're not supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. um, so you, you were two years sober and then you, um, uh, went on the drinking for a couple of hours and then that was it. And you're here now. <laughs> and when you look back, right, because that was in April from April till now, you've built something pretty amazing. I, I mean, I love it. And I don't, I can never say that I know what you feel. And I don't like to say that, right. Cause it's not my struggle and vice versa. But I think a lot of people who um, didn't um, uh, have, you know, alcohol in their lives and, and things of that nature still follow you because you're super motivating. Um, and while yes, the it's about sobriety, I think it's about much more. Like your message is extremely profound that it reaches a lot more than just the sober community. Um, and I, and I hope you know that, and you probably do, but like for me, somebody who, who isn't in that community, you speak to other things 
that I think opens up um, Pandora's box and it's a platform um, of just complete transparency. And I, I, I thank you for that. Um, Cause the days where I'm feeling low and, you know, I, you know, I read a joke, I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> this is exactly what I needed. <laughs> and to be honest with you, like, I feel like your page and the community that you're building is like so many droplets of you, you know, it, it's the comedy, it's the working out, it's the sobriety, it's the balancing of a mom, like even watching you, um, you know, uh, get emotional about the things that people say about moms and, and giving mom guilt, um, that hit me hard because after I had um, my first son, there was just, I didn't realize that there was mom shamers. I just didn't. You know, I didn't realize that um, people had the energy to talk to moms a certain way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so during the last, I guess, like now going on year in April, did you expect all of this to happen? And if you didn't, which I think you didn't, how do you feel about what is going on now? I... I did not expect to be 32 in my hometown, divorced with four kids. Um, but I do feel like, or, or an accountant sitting, I mean, like my personality sitting all day, I literally have to sit at a desk all day. And thankfully I have like really good coworkers where we can play pranks on each other and stuff like that. Like we have a good atmosphere, but like, it's not good, but um, I didn't, I didn't expect to be here at this time. And I didn't expect to have the struggles that I had going through my twenties. Um, but I, where I'm going now with my page and the, 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 the comfortability I feel with, um, sharing and helping people and just being that and building that platform, um, that's where I feel like I saw my life going and I don't, I didn't, I mean, social media when I graduated wasn't a thing, but I always felt like I was going to be, um, like a speaker or helping people or doing all these things. And so I think that being a, a divorced accountant with four kids doesn't have to be, um, my label, you know, like, I think some people think that they are, the things that have happened to them or they are where they've, where they land now. And that doesn't have to be, it's like, I still will work hard at my job and go in every day and do what I'm supposed to do there, but I can still chase my dreams of being able to help people uh, after the day, after my day is done. Um, but I also like, like with my sober, with my page, um, like you said, I don't, I didn't want to just stick to sobriety because I don't think sobriety is just about just about sobriety and I think life with gentry has is about life and part of my life is sobriety but everybody's struggling with something and everybody like whether you have struggled with eating or um being a even a control freak which I'm not a control freak well maybe a little bit but or like organizer (laughs) but if you're like it's there's everybody's struggling with something and it's not necessarily about sobriety but it's about struggle and how we can find the good and how we can find the humor and how we can um not let our struggles define 
us in a negative light. Like define me as an alcoholic. I don't care. I'll make fun of it. Like we can have fun with these things. You don't have to, it doesn't have to be a negative thing. Um, and so I, I didn't see myself be in here. Um, but I can see that I needed that to happen to get now where I want to go. Wow. Wow. And I think that the sooner that a lot of us realize that, the happier that we will be with a lot of things that have happened to us. You know what I mean? Like whether it is that trauma or, you know, struggle with alcohol or even just, you know, ups and downs, there are going to be peaks and valleys, right? But like that is what resurrects or brings birth to a lot of the things that we do. Like, like you said, it, sobriety doesn't define me. Like I'm just, I'm more than that. I'm more than a mom. I'm more than an accountant. I'm more than that. Like I'm all these things. And I think that the rabbit hole that people go down a lot of times, Gentry, I don't know if you have before, but I know I have is, um, finding your quote unquote purpose, like in life, which I totally support, but I think our purpose should be much more of a theme and a whole bunch of things rather than like one thing. Like my purpose is to landscape and build and just like take down these trees. And you know what I mean? Like, no, like your purpose in, in honestly, in the core of my heart, I, I just really feel like our purpose has a, has a theme. Like personally, I feel like my purpose is to guide. Like I, I'm that type A friend. I'm your, you know, your nanny. That's the type A. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm constantly <laughs> figuring things out. I'm constantly like, this is the plan and guiding. And, you know, these are the tips. These are the tricks. This is what you do. Um, this is how it goes. And I've, I have to morph that and use that to help people right? Like to help people with accountability in whatever area and their goals and things of that nature. But like, that's what I feel my theme is. I don't think I was put on this planet to just have children. I don't think I was put on this planet to like, make sure the dishwasher is um, empty. I just don't. And I don't think I was put on this planet to balance Excel sheets all freaking day. I really don't. Like I, um, I, I agree with you. Like I, while I am so blessed to have the, the, the nine to five that I have and I l enjoy the people in the community that I built, I know that Karina Martinez, cause that's my former name was not meant to direct administration and handle forecasting and analyzation of numbers and freaking Excel algorithms. And I know that my brain was not created just for that. I have a creative side. I have a fun side. I'm dancing half the time. I'm making jokes the other half of the time. I think the weirdest part of it though, is I don't have many friends <laughs> and I don't know if that's because I just, you know, I'm a private person or whatever the case may be. But, um, as I got older, I realized that not everybody, uh, rocks the same way I rock my boat. Um, sometimes it gets lonely, I guess, but I just feel like I'm right there with you, sis. Like you weren't just meant to tell a story of sobriety. You were meant to do more, you know? Yeah. yeah. Have you, have you seen the show, the movie soul that just came out on? Well, okay. So <clears throat> I fell asleep. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but when I woke up, 
<laughs> four kids and my husband were like, that was the best movie ever. So I have to rewatch it. Okay. Yeah. Cause that, that the, when you're talking about purpose, it was like that uh, everybody should watch the movie soul because it, that's exactly what it's about is that your purpose isn't about a thing. It wasn't about him playing music. It was about him teaching and, or being, it's, it's more about service. How are you serving in what the way you are best at serving versus what actual tangible thing can you build or touch or do? And so that, yeah, yeah. I 100% agree with that. Amen. Um, so I want to give you 30 seconds to say any advice and everything that you've learned in the last 32 years that you want to say to people listening to this episode in life, the revelations, um, the aha moments, what advice would you give in 30 seconds about everything that you've gone through in the last 32 years? Man. Okay. So do I have a timer? No, (laughs) don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So advice over the last 32 years is um, ask for help. Surround yourself with people that get you or that will support you. If even if they don't get you Uh, know that you're not going to know everything. Um, I would say that the best thing that you can give this world is you and you don't have to be that mom or that type of influencer or that type of podcast host or that type of employee you are your your own person that has your own strengths and has your own weaknesses and weaknesses don't mean that you're bad like it just means that like let's let's celebrate our weaknesses and find people that are good in those areas um but I think that for a long time I was trying to be 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 good enough for the drunks and be good enough for the sober people and be good enough to to fit in and and accept what they wanted and how and see how they liked life and and then try to try to fit in with that and that's not who I am and in parenting it's I try to fit do the the perfect meal planning and the perfect house and the whatever and that's not who I am I I parent the way my personality is and the best thing I can give my kids is my personality. And if that doesn't mean it's as strict, then that doesn't mean it's as strict. If that doesn't mean it's, a, it's not as clean, they're never going to turn back and say, I wish my mom didn't dance in the living room. I wish she would have spent more time cleaning the kitchen. Um, so you have to know your personality and, ex- and, and embrace it and take that personality into everything that you do and have confidence in it. Wow. 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 That's so true. (laughs) That's so true. And I think the dangerous part is when we lose ourselves, because a lot of the times we do, we lose certain sides of us that when you're a mom, your children really should see. I never, wow, you're going to make me think twice about cleaning my kitchen today. Because you're right. They're not going to look back and think, you know, I wish my mom would have cleaned the kitchen. They're not. They're really not. That's amazing. Thank you so much, sis. Um, Gentry, I just, I just want to say um, I'm so happy for you. I'm so proud of you. I want you to know that like you are influencing 
obviously thousands and thousands of people um, on the platform that you have. And I just want to remind you of your worth. I want to tell you to just keep doing your thing, girl. Um, cause we're getting a lot of laughs, a lot of inspirations, a lot of aha moments from it. And, uh, you're powerful. You really are. And I want to thank you again for being on my, uh, little podcast one day at a time, also known as ODAT, the place where we love to interview what I like to call the true hustlers of the world. And that's exactly what you are. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's so kind. <laughs>